I want to invite my friend Steve Huffman from Mishawaka, Indiana. This is a man that I want to bring up here. He's from the Mishawaka Vineyard Church. And this is a man that I have been calling and calling and calling. He is the best worst thing that God has ever done in my life because he is going to be straightforward and honest. And I call him and I say, how should I do church this way? How should I do church this way? How should I do church like this? And, and he says, yes, no, maybe, think about it. And he asks me all the tough questions. And yesterday we had our area pastor meeting here and he was kind enough with his wife, Ann, to come down here and speak into the area pastors in central Kentucky from the Vineyard Movement. And so I said, hey, how about if you stick around and maybe say something to us on Sunday morning? And he said, yes. <laughs> and so I am so thankful. So this is Steve Huffman, my friend. Oh, thanks for that. It is an honor to be here. Uh, Anne, thanks for coming with me. It's been a great trip so far. Uh, I really appreciate your lead pastors because of what they have done in northern Indiana. You probably don't know this, but they've spent time up at our church up in uh, Mishawaka, South Bend, Indiana, Go Irish. <laughs> One person, yes. Uh, so they have spent time up there uh, speaking into us and what they have deposited still rests there, and we are a better church because of what they have brought. So uh, you are blessed beyond what you know because they are your lead pastors here. So you have something special in them. Yes? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm one of those speakers that you can respond to me and it'd be okay. Uh, I don't need the affirmation, but it's helpful sometimes. So we're going to be in the book of uh, John chapter 14. I don't know if you guys carry your Bibles with you, but I love to. I love the old paper Bible, right? John chapter 14 is where I'm going to be. You can actually use your smartphone if you want to. Just don't text your neighbor, right? So you can, John chapter 14 is where we're going to be. While you're getting there, I want to start with this question. What goes on in your brain when you have these promptings that you know you should do something? Like you're out and about and you get this sense or this feeling like, you know, maybe I should do that. I don't know. And what goes on in your brain? I want to give you three examples because I know that's sort of an odd question in the morning to start out with. A couple of weeks ago, a lady by the name of Diane was sharing a story with me back in uh, Mishawaka. And she was sharing that she was taking her older parents out to lunch. And as she was helping her parents get out of her car, she, no, she felt this prompting. It was like a feeling, she said. She couldn't really describe it. But she looked over to her right and saw another elderly couple. And the wife was trying to get the husband who was in a wheelchair over a bump. And, it's, and she felt this. She's like, I got to go help them. And she, so she stopped and went over and helped him over a bump. So I'm talking about those feelings. Like, I could, maybe I should do something. Another example, I was teaching a class in Mishawaka, about 70 people in the room. We were at church. And at the end of this class, we do what probably you do at the end of service. Hey, should we pray about anything? Well, maybe we should pray about something. Let's listen to God. And then maybe pray. So we were listening, small group of us, and one person said, you know what? I think we should pray for anxiety. I, I have that feeling like we should pray for people who are anxious. Well, that's a great thing because if I called it out right now, any, don't raise your hand. But if anybody was anxious today, likely people are going to respond, right? 
And while they were doing that, I had this sense, this feeling, and really what it was is this thought that crossed my mind. And it was a little odd, and the thought was pea-sized calcification. That's weird. I don't know about you, but that's weird. So it was weird enough, that thought that crossed my hand, I actually wrote it down on a piece of paper in front of me, pea-sized calcification. So the one person prays for people with anxiety, great response. Another, I step on uh, the platform again, and I fully expect no one is going to respond. And so I, I even couched it when I said it this way. I said, you know what? This is probably not going to hit with anybody, but what I heard, might be God, might not, was pea-sized calcification. And I look out, it's about 70 people in the room. I expect nothing to happen. No one responds, and I start panning this way. And all of a sudden, off to my left, there's this little rustling going on at the table. And this woman steps up. This is a picture of uh, this lady here. Uh, this is the Woodcox family. This is Carla Woodcox from Mishawaka. She's a real person. And she stands up with her daughter and she's just starting to cry. And she said, yesterday I was at the doctor's office because they found a pea-sized calcification on one of my organs. There's only three people who know it, and it might be cancer. That's weird. <laughs> That's odd, isn't it? Like in the middle, I had this feeling like pea-sized It wouldn't have hit anywhere. And out of nowhere, somebody stands up and says, only three people know about this. And then 70 people gathered around her and prayed for her. So what do you do with those promptings, those nudges? To be transparent, I just want to share my story. I think there's three responses, at least that I've had for those things. The first response that I've had is this. Uh, I think we have a slide. It's uh, logic and reasoning. So when you hear, just, can we just be honest today? Not that you're never honest, but I just want to create a transparency. So when you hear that this pastor from Indiana heard pea-sized calcification, how many of you thought, well, logically, sometimes those thoughts still come to our head and just, and you sort of logic and reason those things out. And if I told you I spent 20 years in healthcare before I became a pastor, oh, he was in healthcare, pea-sized calcification, it's sort of healthcare-ish. I'm sure that was just, any logic and reasoning people in the room? Be honest. Thank you for being honest. I have done that. The second that I, I've, I've had is this. It's just weird. How many of just, that was just weird in the room? Yes. <laughs> Even the lead pastor over here is, that's weird. So I've been there. I don't want to know about it. It seems a little weird. Don't explain it because I don't want to go into it and just let it go right? That's one response. Here's the third response. What if it's the Holy Spirit? Now, some of you in a room are saying, finally, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. But what if in the midst of the normal day, the Holy Spirit's trying to get our attention more times than we think to do something important? So, I've had all of those responses in my journey. When I first became a Christian, I would have said uh, logic and reasoning. I would have said that's just weird. And I've come to understand after many years that the Holy Spirit is trying to get our attention. 
When I first became a Christian, I was in a church. It wasn't a vineyard church. It was in a really small church. We just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. Maybe one time a year. And then my wife and I started a homeless ministry about eight years ago in South Bend. And I realized if the Holy Spirit isn't real, I'm in trouble because we need him. I'm just not equipped. And so I went on this journey to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And just so we're clear, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is all throughout Scripture. Here's a couple of examples. Old Testament, 1 Samuel 10.10, King Saul just became king. It says, when he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, the procession of prophets met him. And look at this, the Spirit of God, this is the Old Testament, came powerfully upon him. And then it goes on and it says, and he joined in their prophesying. In the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit shows up. In the New Testament, some of you know this, Acts 13, the disciples are gathered around, and they're sort of wondering, what do we do next? We've done this great ministry. We've seen a whole bunch of stuff, but what's next? And look at this. It's Acts 13. It says, uh, while they were worshiping. Do we have that scripture? If not, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit actually told them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. The Holy Spirit tells them that. Acts 16 Paul is going from town to town. I don't know how this happens, but Paul is going from town to town. He's doing great ministry. He's preaching great sermons, and he's prompting to go to this other town. It says this, Acts 16.6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phyria and Galatia, and look, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word all over Asia. I don't know how that works, but Paul, on his journeys, was kept by the Holy Spirit. There was some feeling, and it was not gas. There was some feeling that stopped him from going and teaching all over Asia. The Holy Spirit shows up all throughout Scripture. So my question this morning is, what's, what is our response what is our response to that internal, potentially Holy Spirit feeling or tug that we get? What's our response to that? And really the deeper question in the midst of that is this. Do we know the Holy Spirit well enough that when we get those tugs that we respond? You know, I, I like that question because it centers us around the potential that we have in our communities. I would love to tell you all the great stories in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit does or some of the crazy things I've seen, but I think as I think through that question and as I interact with people, that there's some quite rudimentary, basic questions on what the role of the Holy Spirit is. And my mission today is to have us have some really basic teaching on, it's actually from Jesus, on what the Holy Spirit's role is. Because I believe, I really believe this. I was praying earlier. You, this is Madison County, right? Help me out. Madison County. Can you imagine 
Because the world was changed through one, but really through the disciples through 12. Can you imagine that if we figured this thing out, and if we started acting on those small minor tugs from the Holy Spirit, how different Madison County would be? I'm not sure that side of the room got that. (laughs) This side of the room, do you realize the potential that if we understand the prompting of the Holy Spirit and we act on that, that schools would be different, that your workplace would be different, that your neighborhood would be different. Some of you are called to be pastors of your neighborhood. And if we got this, it doesn't have to be spooky or weird. If we got this, Madison County would change. And so that's my goal, is to just start responding to the Holy Spirit's promptings a little differently. So I want to open up the Scripture here, John 14. A little background on this Scripture. Jesus has been doing really good ministry. And can you imagine this? He's hanging out with His disciples. He's, he, he's healing the, the, the sick. He's performing miracles, preaching some amazing sermons. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, how confusing is this? He says, hey, um, I'm going to die on a cross and leave. What? From the time they were small, the disciples have heard there's a Messiah coming and everything's going to change. And the Messiah finally comes and he says, yeah, I'm going I'm to leave. That would, be, would that not be confusing? But he says this. Jesus says this. John 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. We bounce to verse 26. It says this, but the advocate The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. In that scripture that Jesus shares, it's the most rudimentary teaching he has given on the Holy Spirit. Just the introduction, what the Holy Spirit's role is. I see a couple of things that I want to share. I want to pour out. I want to unpack that my hope is we can change the world around us when we partner with it. So let me pray before I unpack those two. So will you pray with me? So God, it's our hope today to honor you well. We worshiped you. We declared that we love you. But today we want the Scripture to invite us into that relationship with Holy Spirit. And so I pray that ears would be opened, that hearts would be opened, that minds would be opened by Christ to hear your word in a fresh way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, here's a couple of things I want to unpack. The premise here is we should know the Holy Spirit because of this. Without Him, it's all on us. We should know the Holy Spirit because without Him, it's all on us. In verse 16, just read this just a minute ago, it says, I will ask the Father, 
And Jesus says, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So he's speaking to the disciples. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to leave. You think I'm the Messiah, but I'm going to leave. There's radical, I, I just have to imagine there's radical confusion. What are you talking about? Leaving. That's impossible. But he says, no, no, no. It's going to be better because I'm going to send you another advocate. I want to look at this word advocate for a second. Advocate says this. If you look in the original language, uh, two, actually two words, para from close beside, and then the next is uh, kaleo, make a call. And really it means a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because they're close enough to the situation. Jesus is explaining, here's the deal. I have to go, but I'm going to send someone to you that is close enough to the situation all the time, they will make the right call. He's so close, in fact, that he's going to be inside of you. Look at this, uh, verse 7, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He'll be in you. If I was a disciple, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Is there surgery involved? What? I don't understand. No, he's going to be in you. And it's the difference between, if you look at the Old Testament, we read this just a minute ago, if you look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, it comes upon people. The Spirit of God will come upon someone and then leave. But in the New Testament, post-Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you forever, doesn't leave. That's refreshing. The Holy Spirit's close enough to make a call in every situation. I want to repeat that one more time. The, the Holy Spirit inside of you is close enough to you to make a call, the right call, in every situation. Thank goodness. Think about the disciples. I want to go back to them. They were a confused bunch of guys confused bunch of guys. Many of you know the story. The disciples are hanging around. There's 5,000 men in crowd, and then there's women and children. It's got to be incredible. Everybody's hungry, and Jesus says to the disciples, hey, how are we going to feed these people? Well, that's confusing. Well, we don't have enough. How are we going to do this? Maybe we should send them away, right? And then Jesus does this miracle, and it's wonderful, and feeds the 5,000. Well, later, there's 4,000. They're hungry. Jesus is like, hey, how are we going to feed them? And the disciples are confused. You're, you just saw the 5,000. You're in front of 4,000. You're confused. Jesus does a miracle, a beautiful thing, feeds the 4,000. And then later, this is, this is in Mark 8. You can look at it later. Mark 8, the disciples are in a boat. And there's this discussion that comes up around bread. And they start arguing that they don't have enough. what? Are you kidding me? It is a confused bunch of people. They need help. And the reality is they're struggling to do it on their own. And if I can make it real today, are we not struggling to do life on our own? I don't know about Madison County, but back in northern Indiana, I meet people all the time who are trying as hard as they can 
to do life by themselves. And they struggle financially, relationally, at work, whatever it is. There's just struggle and toil. But the reality is, I'm betting it's the same in Madison County. You can't do it on your own. It's not going to work. We need the Holy Spirit. Here's some help the Holy Spirit provides. Here's, here's some good news. John 16, 8 says, When He, the Advocate, comes, He'll prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. Here, here's what this means. When, you're, when you say yes to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, when you do something that you're not supposed to do and you get that icky feeling like, I don't know, I'm not sure, that's not gas, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, whoa, I'm trying to guide you back to truth. Don't do that. John 16, 3. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes... Look at this. He will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. The Holy Spirit's role is to prompt you back to Scripture. The Holy Spirit's role is to prompt you back to truth. And to do what? The Scripture says this. He will tell you what is to come. He will tell you. You look it up in the Greek. Do you know what he will tell you means? He will tell you. <laughs> like it's not complex. When you see your neighbor struggling, and you get that feeling, maybe I should help out. That's the Holy Spirit probably inside of you saying, yes, go love your neighbor. If we're going to live a life that is pleasing to God, we need to understand the Holy Spirit inside of us is trying to get our attention more often than not. I want to give you a story in the midst of this that might be practical, it might not be practical. How many of you in the room do Facebook? Raise your hand. A few of you. If you do, right, you all left. If you don't do Facebook, here's essentially what Facebook is. Facebook is, you go, you go on this app, and it's a running list of your friends' highlights of their day. It's their best moments. It's like the highlight reel of their life, right? So many of us do it. I just happen to do Facebook a little differently. So on my Facebook feed, if you do Facebook, you'll notice this. You look down, you see posts, and then in Facebook, it has this little, hey, you might know this person. Would you like to add them as a friend? And most people go, I don't, they're strangers, I'm not going to do this. But here's what I do. I don't know them, but I'm like, add friend, add friend, add friend. <laughs> and then when you do that, here's what Facebook does. It takes those and it like swipes four new people. It says, hey, you might know these four people. I don't know. Add friend, add friend, add friend, add friend. <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not? Why make... What, what, shouldn't it be, life should be a little more exciting. My Facebook feed is super exciting right now. <laughs> I, you, don't have to, you don't have to do what I do, but I have about 1,500 people on my Facebook feed. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> no clue. So as I'm doing this, 
I'm getting an inkling what's going on in the community from people I don't know. And, I'm, and I see on this day, I see this guy, I, I won't use his real name, but I'll, I'll, we'll just call him Leroy. Leroy is at a really fine dining establishment, but by his post, he's struggling in life. I don't know Leroy, I've never met Leroy, but I, I, if you know Facebook, there's this little messenger thing, so I went up into messenger and I said, Leroy, we've never met. <laughs> You're laughing like this is weird. <laughs> Leroy, we've never met, uh, your post is interesting, would, would you care to have coffee with me? To which he responded, you're a creep, go away. <laughs> no, he didn't. He actually responded, sure. So we interacted, and I said, hey, I'm a pastor. Uh, how about you come to the vineyard in Mishawaka, and we'll have coffee. We got free coffee. This, and he came. And I sat across from him, and I got to know his story. And part of his story as we interacted, and I probably didn't do this perfectly, part of his story was he follows three things. His life was great, but he's fallen into this mess. And so now what he does to get comfort is three things, wine, women, and travel. And when he, when he shared that, my heart broke. Because he was explaining, you know, it's wine, women, and travel, and I get to travel here, and this, that, and the other. And he was explaining it like that was going to be his life forever. And I shared with him, that is just temporary, man. That's going to hurt. And I tried to share about Jesus, and, but here's what I know. He probably is not a Christian. And I tried to share, man, once you get the Holy Spirit, it's so much better. It's so much better. And I've that day he didn't say yes to Jesus, but I'm praying for him. I'm still interacting with him because as I look at his life, I have no other answer, you all. I spent 20 years in the marketplace. I got great education, not a seminary, but great education. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than this. There is just not. There's no count. There's no, this is it. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is it for Leroy and for you and for your neighbor and your coworker. That's it. Here's the verse that I thought about when I was talking to Leroy. 1 Corinthians 2.14, I think it'll come up. It says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. When I was talking to him about Jesus, it seemed like he looked at me and said, that's just foolishness. What are you talking about? Here's what I believe. Without the Holy Spirit, the beginning of the story, Carla, Carla Woodcox, when I said peace-sized calcification, I don't know what the outcome would have been, but 70 people came around her and prayed for her. The next week she came back and said they tested it and it's not cancer. That's awesome. Earlier, I talked about the uh, elderly people trying to get over the hump in the parking lot. They probably would have got out, but it would have taken them longer. Without the Holy Spirit, I can't explain enough. It's so important to follow the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, it's all on us. Second quick thing I want to hit. We should know the Holy Spirit because with Him, we get the best teacher. 
We get the best teacher. Jesus shares this. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I've said to you. Do you know when you look up the original language of he will teach you all things, do you know what it means? He'll teach you all things. You all are Greek experts, right? That's Because it says it in the Bible. The, he'll teach you all things. I want to get practical for a minute. For those of you in the marketplace, when you have the Holy Spirit, you have the person inside of you that has the best insider information ever. He knows what's going on. It's not a surprise that you're having a bad day. I worked in a hospital uh, for 20-some years. And on my best days, I didn't do this perfectly, but on my best days, I would go into the hospital and I would say, Lord, what floor do I need to visit? What floor do I need to visit where they need the encouragement of Jesus, where I can give an encouraging word? And I would just wait, and he would say, eighth floor. And so I would go up and I would just ask him, hey, how are things going? And I attribute the success I had in the marketplace to following the Holy Spirit. Bible. The Holy Spirit's the best interpreter of Scripture. I don't know if this happened for you, but this is what happened. Before I was a Christian, I wasn't a Christian. I did some bad things. But I would read Scripture. I would never remember it, never understand it. 23 years ago, back of a Lutheran church, I said yes to Jesus in the last pew, and something happened. I was confused at the time, but when I look back at it now, it's the Holy Spirit. When I read Scripture, it was highlighted. I could remember it. I could understand it. I could ask intelligent questions to other people about it. The Holy Spirit's the best teacher. Luke 12, 11, Jesus is sharing with His disciples some really encouraging words. Hey, you guys are going to be brought in front of kings and rulers, and it might be tough, but look what he says. When you're brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you'll defend yourselves or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher, which means when I reached out to Leroy as a creeper, right, when I reached out to him and said, we had, I didn't know what I was going to talk to him about. I didn't know what we were going to interact on. But in the moment, the Holy Spirit gave me the words, and it didn't have to be weird. It, didn't, it was just normal language. Here's what I know. Learning from the Holy Spirit and His impeccable timing. He has impeccable timing. We're all waiting. God, would you just show me? And He's probably saying, would you just step three steps into it, and then I will show you, right? Impeccable timing, but it requires us to be teachable. We have to be teachable. I'm going to invite the worship team up, some of the prayer team. Here, here's, what I, here's what I know. Here's what being teachable means. It means really understanding that you have the Holy Spirit within you. It means really understanding that the Holy Spirit wants to change Everything around you that's negative, He wants to use you to bring light to it. It's, it's realizing we can't, 
To be teachable, it's realizing you can't do things on your own. You'll get exhausted, and likely there's people in the room that you're exhausted, and you just need to give room to the Holy Spirit to do something in your life. And being teachable realizes that there is a great teacher. And when you put your trust in the great teacher, great things will happen. And so here's the invitation and the thought as I close. There's a prayer team that has come up and they're all facing you. I think, I really believe this, you are a special church. You are a special community. And if we were to get a glimpse from God's perspective of the potential in this room to change Madison County, we would fall on our face at the potential. But to start to walk in that potential, we have to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is inside of us, trust that Jesus is the perfect teacher, and start responding to those promptings. And so if you, here in a minute, we're going to start worship, but if you could benefit from prayer of, you know what, God, I want to respond to those promptings. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it'll feel like, but my neighborhood, my workplace, my school, my family needs you, and I'm willing to be used, whatever it is. If you want to start walking in that, I would prompt you, come up and get prayer while we're worshiping. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray move back into worship. So God, I pray that we become aware of the Holy Spirit in this place. That Madison County is a different county because of a group of people who said, why not? Because doing it on my own is tired. So God, we honor you and we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit in this place. In Jesus' name.